Hello. Hello, hello, it's Fran. Is this Bo? Yes, this is Bo. I just go by B, and then I have Patrick here, my editor, with me. And how are you today? I'm great, thank you. I'm going to be driving, so should I lose you, uh, stand by and I'll call you back. Okay, no problem. No problemo. Uh, where are you driving to? I live in the acupuncturist, and I'm going to uh, the dentist now. <laughs> and I'm in Malibu, California. <clears throat> my brother's an acupuncturist, and I've been taken to. I just started taking my 14-year-old husky to the acupuncturist. Oh, it, it works very effectively on pets. Yes, yes, it does. It absolutely does. She's. It made a difference. Um, it was kind of like an overnight difference, but it took about six days. And uh, she went from not being able to get up herself to just walking on her own. And it was like a night and day difference between like the first time I started and like the third session. Um, wow, that's incredible. I also, um, when I was 14 years old, I grew up in Hawaii and I was supposed to have back surgery. And the Monday before the Friday of my surgery, the doctor's daughter died. And uh, it was, it's kyphosis is what I had. And they were supposed to fuse my spine from the front and the back, and it was two 10-hour surgeries. And my dad was like, sign from God, we shouldn't have this surgery. So I ended up going to San Francisco for art school. And while I was there, I had discovered acupuncture and uh, yoga. And, uh, and I was able to really cure the, the back disease that I had. Um, and oh, that, that's great. kind of got me into alternative healing. But enough about okay. me. Well, that's <laughs> wonderful. You know, uh, the last resort. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, that's, I mean, same with cannabis is that, you know, our kind of our mission with launching the magazine and having the websites that we do was to get, you know, clean medicine into the hands of the patients that needed it, but also to educate the public and let them know about it because there's a stigma. And, you know, if you start it earlier on as, as health and well-being, and then it's not used for terminal illness and, you know, quality of life at the end only. It shouldn't be the last resort, you know? I, I agree with that completely. I'm glad that you used the word clean. Clean. Because that's what, what did you say, green or clean? Oh, no, no. I was yeah, agreeing with you. Clean, yeah. Clean. It's, it's, clean. You want to know yeah, what's in it. I don't know whether you were at the cannabis uh, diet Industry currently, and uh, 
as the founder and president of the Campus Transit Movement, I, uh, a big cornerstone of our uh, mission is to educate people and shift uh, awareness to realizing that how you live equals how you feel. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, it's the idea of uh, this industry uh, potentially being what dot-com was for the 90s yep. um, may invite a lot of irresponsibility uh, from people that are just very uh, short-sighted capitalists and not really thinking in terms of the uh, where we where we stand historically with this and the trajectory that we potentially can set in terms of um, responsible, sustainable, organic, biodynamic farming and uh, Uh, that has the lowest impact on the environment, the plant, and the user. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, you know, this whole opportunity to uh, establish cannabis as a uh, first option medicinal is going to be undermined and uh, diminished. And I don't want to see that happen. So uh, that's really uh, what I need to talk about. I'm not a doctor. I'm a cancer survivor. I'm, you know, and I do use it for specific things uh, when I want to. But I'm always, you know, I wouldn't use anything that wasn't grown organically mm-hmm. and I have too much respect for the plant to force it to grow in some, you know, warehouse with electric light mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of fertilizer Yeah. Uh, when it really belongs in the earth with a really uh, healthy microbiome in the soil. And, and and growing in fresh air and sunlight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of my platform where this is concerned. And I'm just trying to raise the bar and raise consciousness mm-hmm. and make people start connecting uh, their responsibility in this historic moment. Absolutely. And we really appreciate that you're putting so much time and effort and energy into raising awareness and using a platform like you have. Uh, It's really important that people that do have an audience and a following speak out and let people know that not only is, you know, access to medicine important and education and responsibility that comes along with it, but like you said, clean product that's organic. I mean, Eagle 9, Eagle 20, it, once you smoke it, it becomes a neurological toxin and it can cause paralysis in, in just one smoke or vape if you have that, that it's miracle Grow glycophosphate. Yeah, 
you know. The, and the, Australians and I, we talk about, uh, you know, uh, glyphosate and glyphosate all the time, uh, and connecting the choices we make and empowering people to realize that their purchasing power, what they buy, is not only their vote, but also their profit. And, uh, you know, that's where cancerschmanza.org or the cancerschmanza movement is, um, you know, a, a pretty radical nonprofit in the health space. the chemo to cure, we're telling you it's what we're doing, it's what we're buying, it's mindless consumerism that's painting us into this corner as we slip down a rabbit hole with our own mind. And even though we can point to administrations in the White House, we can try and change legislation, the fastest way to really be changed is with purchasing power. Uh, for example, if everybody stopped drinking cola today, mm -hmm. they would stop making it tomorrow. You don't need regulation. You don't need Washington. You don't need anything. You just need to stop buying it and stop enabling the sociopaths who don't give a shit about you or, or the planet, uh, but only uh, making money. That's their god. So I just want to make sure that this industry doesn't um, follow in the footsteps of 20th century industrial farms and manufacturers. Um, but, you know, we can't uh, emulate that. We have to set our own trajectory now that actually harks back to a much more basic cleaner, sustainable family farm practices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough and it's sad. I've been in this industry for 10 years now. I've smoked, you know, cannabis my whole life being from Hawaii, but it's where it's going in California and what the licensing structure is and the type five licenses that are unlimited for grows. It, it makes it it just gives the runway. I mean, they basically they were supposed to have a, a ban till 2020 for the unlimited grows, and they just got rid of that. So any pharma, any big company that wanted to come in, big tobacco, and like buy up hundreds of thousands of acres of land could and 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 do it as long as their municipal government would allow them to do it. And it's a lot of people think that there's about maybe two to three, maybe three to five years max before it's completely taken over this industry by, you know, you know those large big pharma companies. And I think there's a... Uh, and then start connecting it to what you are doing that's creating this, this ease in your body. So listen to your body, honor your body, support your body. I look at cannabis like a supplement, like vitamins. Mm-hmm. What were some of the most memorable moments for you on The Nanny? Um, you know, definitely having my own parking spot with my name <laughs> on a lot made me feel like I 
really made it. You know, being on the cover of TV Guide. Yeah. Um, having amazing guests on, like, you know, Elton John and Elizabeth Taylor and Bette Midler and Dan Aykroyd and Jay Leno and uh, um, Whoopi Goldberg and... Um, uh, Oh, what's his name? I'm going blank right now. Uh, uh, Ray Charles. <laughs> just unbelievable guests over the years. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Those are all, you know, incredible experiences. And, you know, having so much to say and do about it with writing and starring in it and sometimes directing uh, and executive producing it. It was really quite a momentous experience that continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. Do you ever see a reboot happening? Uh, you know, I'm not opposed to it, but no one's called about it. And, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, for us, a reboot would really be the characters 20 years later. Mm -hmm. So there would be some similarities, but it's not, couldn't be the same show. Yeah. And that in and of itself might be problematic. I don't know. But uh, I'm working on a lot of different projects right now. So it's not on my immediate radar. I don't know. People always ask about it, but uh, I'm sure, you know, but nobody's called <laughs> to make it happen. Yeah. Um, Have you ever watched any of your movies, Hi? Um, I don't really recall uh, <laughs> doing that. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I don't recall. <laughs> Do you watch your you watch your own movies? Uh yeah, at least at least once. <laughs> at least once, yeah. When you first were diagnosed with um uterian cancer, what were some of the other diagnoses? Uterine. 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 Yeah, sorry. Um what were some of the other diagnoses that they had come up with before they got to cancer? Well, um, people thought I had a perimenopausal condition because I was really not the typical uh, profile for uterine cancer. I was not postmenopausal, I was not obese, and I was too young, although one out of four women are young and thin, you get it. So I don't know why they wouldn't have just tested me to rule that out with a simple in-office endometrial biopsy, but they didn't. And, you know, I complained about leg pain and they thought I had restless leg syndrome, even though I always correlated it with the same complaint that Gilda Radner had. And uh, I, um, I complained about my stool.
changing. They said I was eating too much spinach. I complained that my breast felt very hard. They said, you know, I had the tits of an 18-year-old. <laughs> so there I was with perky breasts. Uh, you know, uh, they said take um, gin and tonic to go to bed for the restless legs. Stop eating so much spinach. And uh, so, you know, I, I did all that in some vain attempt to cure myself, but all the while I actually had uterine cancer. And so what, how, what was the path for you in discovering alternative medicine and uh, treatments outside of, you, you know, regular cancer treatments? Um, well, you know, this was 18 years ago, so uh, they said a radical hysterectomy would essentially cure me. Mm-hmm. And two weeks after the surgery, they said, you know, you could do some brachiotherapy on the uh, vaginal cuff um, to just make sure that, that, you know, no floater cells got stuck there when they sewed me up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I opted out of that after doing research and realizing that that kind of radiation is not without uh, permanent side effects. Mm-hmm. And uh, I already was given like a 95% chance of non-recurrence. So I thought, you know, that's good enough for me. I'm not going to, um, you know, ruin what's left of me that's imperfect and imperfect working water. You talked about post-traumatic growth you experienced after the home invasion and the assault that you had suffered in 1985. Did cannabis play any part in your recovery and would you recommend it for others who might be suffering from PTSD? Um, you know, it depends. I, I did I did smoke pot uh, then the night that uh, it happened I I had already quit cigarette smoking and I recall sitting there with a joint in one hand and a cigarette in the other but um, again I think that how people react to it is very personal and individual. And if it's gonna make you paranoid or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it may not be for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, um, I had also come to terms with the fact that, you know, I might have used pot sometimes to numb myself from my feelings. Yep, yeah. And uh, I, uh, I had to uh, deal with that. <laughs> uh, I had to come to terms with that and start facing my feelings. 
uh, instead of numbing myself from them. Yeah. Once I started doing that and getting in touch with it in psychotherapy, it automatically reduced my uh, pot usage. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think in a very healthy way because I got into the habit of feeling my feelings, expressing my feelings, and, uh, you know, pot became more of a occasional social indulgence yeah but uh you know back then it's medicinal qualities aspects or uh i think cannabinoid support uh wasn't really being widely discussed yeah you considered running for the senate to succeed hillary clinton in 2008 what inspired you to do that and what made you decide against doing that um, well, um, I the uh, well, uh, let's, I mean, I think I got a series or something. <laughs> I don't really remember. All I know is that I, I'm always being urge to run uh-huh. by both sides of the party, frankly. But um, I kind of have decided that it's such a polarizing Congress that I can wield more influence mm-hmm. as a celebrity because now we have social media. Yeah. And I worry that because my adrenals don't work so well. I the, I have to keep my stress levels yeah at you know uh, as low as possible. Yeah. And I don't think it's possible to do that in Congress. Um, and also, there are platforms that I'm passionate about, and that's really all I want to focus on. Yeah. So you know, I'm not. I don't want to spend half my life trying to raise money to campaign right. or speaking to rotary clubs about <laughs> their concerns, which are legitimate to them, but not really legitimate to me. Yeah. When you're an elected official, you have to serve all the people. Yeah. I appreciate that completely. But I think that at this stage in my life and the way Congress is going, um, I can accomplish more outside of that system. Yep. And and a couple months ago, you had the Canna Cabaret. We I didn't get a chance to go. I couldn't make it. But can you tell us about it? And when do you plan on having another one? Uh, we do it every June in New York Harbor. It's always incredible. And, uh, you know, we have a great little sizzle reel from last year's, which came out so beautiful. And I speak, and everybody gets to take a picture with me. And then uh, they get to enjoy fantastic organic food, a cruise in New York Harbor. And then we settle back in to the docks and have a fantastic Best of Broadway and Cabaret uh, review. 
And this is a big fundraiser for Cancer Schmitz so we can continue to do the work that we're doing. Now on October 23rd, it's always in October, we have the Fran Drescher Masterclass Health Summit in Los Angeles, California. And uh, it promises to be a mind-blowing, game-changing day for all who attend. And uh, if you get a VIP ticket, you also get to meet the doctors and me at the end of the day at a, uh, you know, a little cocktail uh, gathering in the exquisite founders room of the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, which is where the event takes place. Yeah. So it's an all day thing. You get a pen and pen. People take pictures of the back screen for those that do, you know, PowerPoint uh, speeches and uh, they make notes throughout the day and they really can't wait to come back from year to year because we offer them highly accredited doctors, you know, uh, who are outside of the box thinkers. They went to medical school, drank the Kool-Aid, started practicing, then got woke, and now realize that there's a better way. And this year is Dr. Uma, who's a Harvard medical doctor turned cannabis um, expert. Yep. 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 Yeah. You're, we're uh, media sponsors, so we've got the the ad on the website and the magazine promoting it and getting it out there. And we're going to get these magazines uh, once they're to print to y'all so um, they can go in the gift bags. Um, which, you know, and we're pushing it out there on social media, too. Uh, we support all education, you know, to get get it really out there. It's, uh, um, I think we're having problems before the show started, and the show kind of distracted us from our problems in a really good way, but then eventually the problems started to rear their heads again, heads again and, um, and then it became a bigger problem because we we were uh, too much business. Yeah. And we had to start setting up ground rules for not talking about the show in bed. And it just became too much about work. And uh, so is that what... What do you want to say about the Cantor's Mantra organization and the movement and the overall goal of everything? Uh, well, I am, uh, you know, I think that what we're doing is making a shift in the way people look at their health. multi-billion 
dollar demographic. And so in that regard, they actually do wield a lot of power, and we empower them with the knowledge of knowing uh, how to become mindful consumers and not be used by uh, irresponsible manufacturers that don't really care about them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so uh, that's a very big uh, deal for us uh, that, you know, we were able to make this amazing video and we're almost done with the final cut, but we also have a great teaser for that, too. And uh, it's, um, so things like that and uh, all the talking that we do, uh, leveraging my celebrity, uh, and uh, the Masterclass Health Summit are, you know, two major things. Be the Change Program for Kids and the Masterclass Health Summit for Adults is a big thrust for our I just got <laughs> two last year. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, no.
options are there if when the I guess the decay is close to the nerve I mean, I'm on a, you know, I had had, uh, I never had female problems growing up uh, until my, about my 20s when I had moved from Hawaii to California. And after I figured out that after years and years of eating like GMO foods, all these foods that, you know, there, the knowledge wasn't there back then growing up that all this stuff was, you know, completely toxic to us. Uh, I started getting really, really debilitating periods, and like I, I get sick and nauseous, I throw up, I vomit, uh, like projectile vomit for two days straight, and the bathtub's the only option, and I'm out of work for two days, and it's pretty awful, and I went vegan for a year, uh, cleaning my system out, and then I kind of was too much carbs, so I ended up doing, you know, uh, I, eating meat again, but organic. And through that year of getting all of the, the hormones and antibiotics and those toxins, I, my female cycle improved greatly. Uh, and so I definitely, I, you know, attributed all of that, those toxins affecting my system for sure, you know, and you then, what you eat. yeah, yeah. And then, and you know, cannabis always helped with suppositories and everything, but it's not, it's like you said, it's not a cure-all. Um, well,
I really don't see any end to it. Mm-hmm. 20th century was such a debacle. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, well, where do you think cannabis is going to be in five years? The cannabis industry, the industry as a whole. Um, well, I'm hoping that, um, my hope is that it becomes an exemplary uh, leader in a new industry that addresses the needs of today's time in terms of farming practices, industrial uh, manufacturing practices, and um, distribution, and and how it can um, impact in a positive way Mm -hmm. mind, body, and spirit. That's pretty much all the questions we have for for you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. And thanks for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing and, and spreading the word. It's really important that people that have a voice, you know, put it out there and, and, and get the information out there. I mean, like, I... I know a ton, I, you know, but I didn't even know about the root canal thing. But, you know, it, that's that's just the world that we're in is that we're told all these things. I mean, people don't even know that everything, everything we eat in America is pretty much poisoned. Even organic still has eight levels of antibiotics and hormones, you know. Oh, you know, that's why when it says USDA organic... Mm. Mm-hmm. Because USDA allows it, it could be only up to seventy percent organic. Mm-hmm. So you either look for a hundred percent organic table, or if it's USDA organic, you have to also look for um, non-GMO. Mhm. Mhm. So you know, yes, there it, it takes a lot of time and energy, but you're seeing more and more uh, labeling indicating that the um, market is responding to consumer demand. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's true. You see everywhere, everybody's offering alternatives. It's, It's definitely happening. There's absolutely a shift in, in just the regular mainstream, not just places like Los Angeles where people are really conscious of, you know, how they look and feel. Well, what would be, one last question, what would be some of your best beauty tips and advice? Because you, you have beautiful skin and you look so young. <laughs> and, and I mean, I obviously, you know, I know, I've heard you say that it's because you eat organic and it's what you put in. Um, what, I mean... Do you have recommendations on on makeup and and the things you put on your skin? Well, you know, Stacy Mountain is a wonderful um, advocate for clean cosmetics and started the Safe Cosmetics. 
Mm-hmm. And um, she wrote the book, Not Just a Pretty Face. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had her at our event. She's a wonderful speaker. And she's probably a better, I mean, her book or her website is probably better. I don't wear makeup most of the time. Mm-hmm. So when I do, I, uh, you know, I, I, I wear kind of a combination of things that may not be as great and are okay, but I sort of pick my poison with the things that I use every day, which is what Stacy says is important. Mm-hmm. So face, deodorant, moisturizer, mm-hmm. skin care that you put on two, you know, one, two, three times a day. Uh, these are the things, I don't even wear lipstick every day. So, you know, the things that I, uh, even nail polish, when I wear nail polish, I use the brand that doesn't have the top three toxins in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is, you know, I think it's kind of personal in terms of, I also embrace the, um, the um, organic coffee enema protocol that a lot of mm. cancer patients uh, embrace, mm-hmm. and and that is um, effective in keeping your liver clean. And you know, your liver is basically like your carburetor, and it has to clean your blood. Mm-hmm. And if the liver is not clean because it's filled with toxins from a toxic lifestyle, then the blood's not going to be clean. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, disease, um, you know, it's hard for the body to heal itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I embrace that, and liver is skin. So I get I have good skin, but I think it's partially because of that. Mm-hmm. Partially because I use um, organic, toxic-free skincare products, mm-hmm. and and partially because I live in a, a, a in a pretty toxic-free home, mm-hmm. and all the food I eat is organic, and I even support restaurants that serve organic. And it, I'll go to a restaurant and I'll say, what is organic or wild? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, and grass-fed pasture-raised. Mm-hmm. And that's where I start. I don't just look at a menu. I have to reduce it down to what's edible. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't really know. You don't want to eat an animal that's living a Dickensian life and being shot up with hormones and growth hormones and antibiotics their whole life and being fed GMO grains that's not natural to their digestive system. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is preposterous. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, re- yeah, I mean, it's a, it's really messed up. When you look at the documents of Monsanto, they're all blacked out. Everything's blacked out. And then, and then... It, if you look at Donald Rumsfeld becoming their, you know, lead researcher, which he's like the director of defense or, you know, secretary of defense, uh, it's it just none of it makes sense. 
you know like it just sounds like they're trying to poison us and and they want us to die you know like this is this is an easy way for them to get rid of us is poison the food supply and that's you know what they discovered and tried to do it with aspartame they knew aspartame was poisonous and they did yeah, ev- but I don't to get rid of us I think it's to um, make money off of mm-hmm. us purposing war chemicals right. on civilian life if they get rid of us then they, then they lose their customers <laughs> they want to believe that in small doses it's not harmful they themselves suffer from all, all the same diseases exactly it's not like they're exempt right I mean, you know, the head of R.J. Reynolds died of lung cancer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yep. You know, it's just they are completely sociopathic. Yeah. Really a face that they're doing something wrong. Ooh, there's my manager. I have to take this call. I'll let you go. Thank you so much. Okay, okay bye. bye. Mm. Let me see if I got the recording all the way.